Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. And today we are closing out a series that we've titled The Parable Project, where we've been walking through uh, several of the parables of Jesus. And we know that Jesus taught in stories. They're called parables. And they're a way of him getting through to the people. And so today... I am going to close out this series, and so here's what we've done. It's been six weeks. Today's the seventh, and in the six weeks, we hit six parables. Well, today, I'm going to share five parables in one day with you, all right? So uh, the last six weeks were the fireworks show, and today is the finale. Are you with me? Uh, So we're going to go crazy. These are short parables, so if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to be reading from here in a moment. And so we're going to close it out. These five very short stories, and I'm actually going to share three points with you uh, to make it really simple. And we know that uh, these parables, as I've told you, we've been trying to pull out the parables, the riches of Jesus' stories. But actually in Jesus' teachings, the, the disciples begin to ask him and they say, Jesus, why do you teach in parables? Like, why do you teach the people in these stories, these parables? Sometimes we don't get it. Sometimes the people don't get it. And he says, why do you teach in these parables? And Jesus does something. He says, because they look, but they don't really see. He says, they hear, but they don't really listen. How many know there's a difference between looking and seeing? There's a difference between hearing and listening. And so he tells them these stories because he goes, uh, and he tells us why. He goes on, he says, because they are fools. And I was like, dang, that's kind of harsh. Because, you know, y'all like the, the nice Jesus, the kind Jesus, the loving Jesus. But sometimes he's a savage Jesus in scriptures, okay? And so the savage Jesus comes out and he says, because they're fools. And I heard that, I'm like, man, that's kind of jacked up. Like, Jesus called these people fools because they didn't get it. They didn't understand. They didn't hear. They didn't listen. And I was thinking about the word fool from an English context. So we know, if I look at the definition, dictionary.com says, a fool is a senseless fellow. That's definition one. Definition number two is a dullard. New word for you to put in the vocab. A dullard, someone who is slow or stupid. And so I hear that. I'm like, dang, Jesus. He just called these people slow. He has called these people stupid. And he says they hear, but they, they, they listen, but, or they hear, but they don't listen. They, they, they look, but they don't see when it comes to the word of God. But then I actually begin to read it from the original language context in the Greek. You see, in the original language, The biblical definition here of fool is this, someone who disregards God's word. That's a little different. You see, Jesus wasn't calling them slow or stupid. He was saying, you're a fool because you disregard the word of God. And I think there are many of us, maybe even in the church today, who who hear but we don't listen. 
We look, but we don't see when it comes to the word of God. And, and we may be in biblical definitions fools. Why? Because we are not regarding the word of God as his word, and we're not applying it to our lives. And this is who Jesus is talking to. And so today, I want us to dig in here because I think Jesus wants us to not just hear but listen. He wants us to not just look but to see. And he wants us to take the word of God and implement it into our lives. So I want to read from Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read verse 31 through 33. Those are the first two parables. And then I'm going to read verse 44 uh, through 50, which are the last three parables. Here we go. Starting in 13, verse 31. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. That's the first parable. Second, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Let's jump forward. A few verses. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven, third parable, is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Fourth parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Fifth parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Five parables, three points. Every one of these parables is about the same thing. Different focuses, but about the same thing. In fact, he said it at the beginning of every one. He said, the kingdom of heaven. Did you hear that? The kingdom of heaven, he said it in every parable. The kingdom of heaven is like. And so today I want to talk to you about being kingdom builders. That's the title of my message. Kingdom builders. Somebody needs to hear in this place that you were put on this earth, not just for a good time, not to have a fun time, but to build the kingdom of God. And I think that we need to begin to shift our focus in the church to being a people who are kingdom builders. So here we go. Kingdom builders, number one, invest wisely. I know we got some people who are good with their money in here. We got some of you who are not so good. Where are the spenders at? You feel me? You got no problem spending it. Saving it is another matter. We got to invest wisely. So let's go to these first two parables, verse 31 through 33. The first parable is an interesting parable about this mustard seed and what it becomes. It says that the, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took, sowed it in his field, the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than the garden plants. It becomes a tree so large that the birds can come and nest inside of it. What is the... 
lesson here? What is the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach us, especially as it relates to building the kingdom of God? I believe it's this, that small things can have enormous impact. Small things can become something great if we invest these small things wisely. Now we know if we get into the context culturally of this day, that in this climate, if they were to plant a mustard seed, that what would happen in one season, everybody say one, in one season, one cycle, that mustard seed could become a tree as large as six to 12 feet. In one season, the smallest of all seeds becomes larger than all the other plants, so large it becomes a tree, six to 12 feet in size, so large that these birds can actually build their homes in it. This is the power of something small having a huge impact. This is the, the reminder for us that if we invest wisely, if we plant our seeds in fertile ground, that good things can happen. And then he goes on, he tells this other story, which I think relates to this idea of investing wisely. And he talks about the yeast in the bread. Now, how many remember the uh, rainbow bread? Y'all remember the wonder bread? The, 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 the white wonder bread? I mean, there was nothing that hit like a PB&J on the, on the wonder bread. Now, we know when you cut up and you, when you open those loaves, like those perfectly white uh, loaves or, or, or slices all looked exactly the same. I mean, there was no difference. Now, we know what yeast does, right? If you understand bread or you understand uh, yeast dough, that yeast, a little tiny bit of yeast, when it's put into the dough, it actually makes the bread rise. That's what yeast does. It expands it. All it takes is a tiny bit to expand into something large. Now, what's interesting is that yeast, uh, it, it actually feeds on gluten. And so they have it, you know, these genetic, genetically engineered breads like rainbow bread, uh, wonder bread that all looks exactly the same. Uh, it, it's a lot of chemicals in it, isn't it? But have you ever had a, 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 a sourdough roll? You ever cut up the sourdough and you look at those and you look at and, and no slice looks the same. Some of the slices have big holes. Some have small holes. Why? Because again, the, the yeast is eating the gluten, which then causes it to expand, which makes the bread larger. It expands the bread. And so this is Jesus teaching them. He's saying just a little bit, a little investment can expand to something great. This is the perfect picture of the ministry of Jesus. I want you to think about Jesus' life. You know, he never traveled more than around 50 miles from his home. He came from a town of 100 people. We're talking about small, meager beginnings. He spent his time with the same 12 people all the time, every day, day after day, hanging out with the same 12 dudes. And now the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ has spanned the entire globe. You see, a smart, wise, small investment can yield great fruit when done to build the kingdom of God. This is the perfect picture. Jesus' life. We need to learn to go small, though, in our culture. 
Y'all love the big things. Like, you want to go big. You know me. Like, like, like I want to go big. I go to Top Golf. I'm trying to hit it over the net every time. I used to play slow pitch, you know, old man softball. You know, this one. And, and I get up there. I'm not trying to hit base hits. I'm trying to hit it over the fence every single time. Would I pop up over half the time? Yes, I would. But I was swinging for the fence. That's our American culture, isn't it? Like, we just want to go big. We want the home run every time. We want the Hail Mary every single time. And I'm telling you, going small is not sexy. Doing wise, small investments is not something that is fashionable. But if you want the big things, you have to be committed to the wise, small things, the small investments. And so a lot of you need to hear this right now in your life. You need to go small. Somebody needs to receive this right now. You need to go small right now. Some of you still don't get it. Go small. Why? We go small so God can go big. When we do the small, faithful things, we plant the small seeds in good, fertile soil. We do our part. We're faithful. It's God that turns those things into something great. Some of you still don't get it. Let me talk to you about a marriage. Like, a great marriage is not built on the home runs. Like, I could take my wife to Italy, and I'm like, babe, it's coming. Don't worry. I could take her to Italy, but can I tell you, I could take my wife to Italy and my marriage still be trash. I could take her to the kitchen for dinner. Come on, somebody. That $500 for one meal. I could take her there and our marriage still be a mess. And what I see is a lot of people, we're just trying to hit home runs, go big or go home in every single part of our life. And then we wonder why we don't see fruit. Because fruit is not built normally in the big things. It's built in the small daily decisions, a bunch of small decisions that build something healthy and whole and large. My marriage is strong because I make daily small decisions to invest in it. My wife cooks the meals and I always do the dishes. That's our agreement. And so every day I do the dishes and I hate dishes. And every day I hate it. I still hate it 15 years later, but I do it. Why? Because that's me investing something small. When my wife says, I need to talk to you, I turn off the TV and I go, let's talk about it. When, when I know she wants daily or weekly connections, I schedule our daily coffee date, dinner date. Why? Because I want small, weekly, daily decisions to build up into something strong. You want something big? You got to go small. I love uh, in, in, in another story. In Zechariah chapter 4, actually, there's this story where God is speaking to Zerubbabel. And and God actually says to him in Zechariah 4.10, he says, do not despise small beginnings. And we have to know the context of what's happening because Israel had been attacked by Babylon and their, their city, Jerusalem, is destroyed. They burn the temple of Solomon to the ground. They rip all the walls down around Jerusalem and then they take all of Israel into captivity in Babylon. 
And so they're exiles, they're, they're captives. And then a king comes along uh, 70 years later and he says, I'm gonna let you go back to your homeland. So he sends them all back, but now they have to rebuild the walls. This is what we see with Nehemiah. This is what we see here with Zerubbabel and Zechariah. And so they're rebuilding the walls and they begin to rebuild the temple. And Zerubbabel is discouraged because Jerusalem is a wreck. Like it is, it is devastated. The walls are down. The temple is trash. Like they're trying to rebuild it. Uh, uh, the people are, are, are starving and things are not going well. But they're rebuilding. And God says, do not despise small beginnings. And some of you are maybe in a season that it feels like that. And I just want to say, don't despise small beginnings. You may be building something back up. You may be building something new. Just be fine with going small, investing wisely, planting your mustard seed of faith. Because I'm telling you, when you go small, God always goes big. And he actually says to them, because uh, fast forward a few chapters, and Zerubbabel is still upset because the temple, he's like, there's no way the temple's going to look like Solomon's temple. We don't have the money. We don't have the resources. It's never going to be as good. And you know, in the natural, he was right. But here's what God says. God actually says to him, he says, the latter will be greater than the former. He speaks this over Zerubbabel. And some of you need to allow God to speak this over you today. That the latter will be greater than the former. The family you came from, the latter will be greater than the former. The business you're building, the latter will be greater than the former. The, the, the vision you have for your life, the latter will be greater than the former. And God says this to Zerubbabel. And listen, Zerubbabel was right. They were never going to build a temple that would be as beautiful as Solomon's temple. They didn't have the money. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have the supplies. There was no way. But why does God speak this over him? Because he knows that one day his son, this is prophecy. Jesus is going to come and he's going to come into the temple and he's going to say, now I'm establishing a new covenant and I'm establishing a new temple. You are now my temple. Every one of us as God's people now are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We inhabit, we allow the Holy Spirit, God himself, to inhabit our bodies, our temples. He says the latter will be greater than the former. The presence of God used to dwell in a, in a man-made uh, thing, but now the presence of God will dwell in every man. So somebody needs to hear this today. Invest wisely. Go small so God can go big. That's what kingdom builders do. The second thing we see is that kingdom builders, we cast nets. We cast the nets. You, you heard me read the story, but I want to go back to it. Verse 47 through 50, he says, The kingdom of God is like a net that was thrown in the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into the containers, but threw away the bad. He says, so will be at the end of the age. The angels will come. And separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, this is the savage Jesus come out again. And I just felt like one last time I needed to do this because in this series, it's been crazy. This series, these last six weeks, there's been more responses to the gospel for salvation, uh, recommitting of hearts and souls to the Lord than probably ever in a series we've done. 
And I believe it's because God, this whole series, six weeks, God has been doing an inner work. He's been breaking off the religious spirit of God's people. He's been breaking off the spirits of shame and guilt and allowing us to step into the mercy and the grace of God. And so there's been like just radical things happening in this house. And today we're going from inner to outer. Like I'm going from, from change. We need to look at our hearts and do a heart change to here's what we need to do and build. We are kingdom builders. Now get to work, church. But I needed to pause in the middle of a message on getting to work with one last, uh, with one last ask of you to look at yourself. Because some of you are still not right. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that we're, we're, we're casting nets. But one day there's going to be a sorting of the good from the bad fish. The angels are going to sort and, and there is an eternal punishment coming. And this isn't a popular 21st century American church teaching that heaven and hell are real. But I'm telling you there are. And I just want to ask you today, as I've been asking every week, some of you need to right now just take an inventory of your heart, your soul, your life. Now listen, you are not justified by works. If you missed it last week, you need to go back and watch it. You are not justified by works. You're justified by faith through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. He is the only one that justifies you. He's the only one that makes you righteous. You could never be good enough. That's why he was perfect. You could never be holy enough. That's why he was the holy one. You could never have sacrificed enough for yourself. That's why he became the perfect sacrifice. But there's probably some of us in this room that if we were honest, if we were sorted right now, we don't know where we stood. And so I must implore you once again to look at yourself and say, am I right? Make sure you're right. Right with God, right with Christ. Have you invited the grace of God into your life? But see, today's about doing. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond at the end to get your life right, because some of you still need to do that. But today's about doing. Today, I believe God wants to remind those of us that love Jesus, are committed to him, that we are net casters. We are fishers of men. We cast nets, and God sorts the catch. We love and fish, but God is the judge. And I'm thankful for that, because some of you are like, man, I don't know, my, my buddy's been coming to church, but I'm still not sure about his salvation. You don't got to worry about it. You just got to love him and point him to Jesus and let Jesus worry about it. He does the saving. He does the judging. He does the sorting. But you know what we do? We cast the nets. So, so contextually, this was a situation of a dragnet. Now, that's not a show. This was how they operated. So they would have two boats, opposing boats, and they would span a net between the two boats, and then they would sail around the Sea of Galilee mostly. That's where they did most of their fishing. And they would sail around the sea, and the net would capture, this drag net would capture fish. Now, sometimes we catch dead fish, bad fish, dying fish, sick fish, but also healthy fish. And they would bring it in, and then they would sort the good from the bad. And he says, so it is with the kingdom of heaven. But what is the challenge here for us today? As kingdom builders, I think it's that we continue to be those who cast nets. 
that we recognize that we have a purpose and a call to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, to be light in the darkness, to be salt in a world that has lost its saltiness. This is what Jesus teaches us. And some of you need to be reminded, you are fishers of men. That's why Jesus, I think, brought a bunch of disciples who were fishermen because they got it. We go catch fish, now we go catch men. And some of us have forgotten that that's actually part of our call. It's not just Caleb's job. It's not just the pastor's job. It's our job that we would point people to Jesus, that we would be fishers of men, that we would take our nets and cast them into the sea and see what we catch and let God do the healing and cleaning and justifying and judging. You see, I only have a little bit of time left. Not just this morning. In my life, I don't know how much time I got left. Crossed the 40 threshold two years ago. I don't know how much time I got. And, and, and as I get older, the more the time I believe is shorter. And I want to take everyone I went, want, everyone I can with me to heaven. I can't even say it. That's how excited I am about it. I want to populate heaven and rob hell. I'm trying to bring everyone I know into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because I know it has eternal consequences. It has eternal significance. So how could I not cast nets? How could I not think that way? No matter what I'm doing at my job, with my coworkers, at my kids' games, in the relationships that I'm building at, at work, everywhere I go in my neighborhood, I am fishing for men unashamedly and I think that God need to remind us today that we need to cast some more nets some of you have just not seen that as your job you're a kingdom builder you cast nets some are like well I don't do that I'm shy you're a kingdom builder you cast nets and you want to know one of the ways you can cast nets because some of you are like, I, I just have a hard time sharing the gospel with people. I get it. It may not be comfortable for you. That's okay. You can cast nets by seeding into the house of God who is leading people to Jesus. We're a part of something greater than ourselves here at Project Church. And that's why we shared this message, this video of generosity, because I want to remind you that one of the best ways to build and populate heaven is to seed into the local church, because it's where people are saved, set free, set free from addictions, families and relationships are restored, and we're able to even bless outside of our own city and community. So I want to show you some nets we're casting to end this year. You have the cards on your seat, but here's a breakdown of where this money is going. So here's what we're doing to end this year. Here we go. The first 50000 that comes in, we're going to give it away. 25000 at Convoy of Hope, they're currently feeding over 500,000 children around the world every single day. Second 25,000, going to Project Rescue, anti-trafficking trafficking organization. Uh, they rescue girls out of trafficking in India, Spain, um, Multiple other countries that I can't think of right now. And, and we've been supporting both these organizations since we started our church over 10 years ago. We're going to start this offering by giving it away. Compassion first. Then 
for Sacramento projects. We've said this, we want to be a church that's known more about what it's for than what it's against. So we've always said, for Sacramento, we have projects happening right now around Christmas. We got a bunch of projects happening, but we want to be doing grocery giveaways in Old Sac and South Sac starting this next year, uh, monthly and eventually getting to weekly. Convoy of Hope just opened a distribution center 10 minutes from here. We're going to be partnering with them to get groceries where we can serve our communities every single month and eventually every single week, which with that, we need a box truck to transfer uh, all, all of the resources and supplies. So we're looking to purchase a box truck. We're going to wrap it and let everybody know that we're for Sacramento. This is where the next chunk is going. South Sac Campus, you guys heard nine weeks ago, we acquired this campus. God's been blessing it. Two weeks ago, we had the biggest Sunday attendance in the history of, of South Sac for us. And uh, it's growing. Good things are happening, but we need to upgrade a bunch of stuff there. New signage, uh, paint, uh, so, some other things that need to be done there. So we're going to put 50000 towards that. And then this last one, somebody like, doesn't seem very spiritual. Listen, I believe this building should be the best looking building in all of Old Sacramento. We have a lot of dry rot on the outside of our building, and it needs a new paint job. So I know that sounds crazy, 59,000, but with the dry rot and the paint, that's what it's gonna take. We wanna upgrade this whole facility. So here's what's cool. Here's the breakdown of everything. Next slide. Total goal, $204,000. Here's what's amazing. Two weeks ago, had a couple come in and give me a check for the miracle offering for $41,000 already. I hadn't even laid this out yet. I'm like, you don't even know what we're giving it to. And they're like, we trust you. And I think that's significant. It just shows that God is calling people to, in this house, to cast nets, to seed seeds of faith. Why? Because God is doing something significant here. And so our goal to reach uh, with everybody else is $163,000 by the end of the year. So you have these cards on your seat in a moment. We're not going to do it now. But I want you to begin to pray, God, what do you want me to give by the end of the year? I want you to make a commitment today. You already see some for the first service on both sides. You're going to bring up, you're going to make your commitment, and then over the next uh, five, six weeks, you're going to give it before the end of the year. Why are we doing this? Because we believe in building the kingdom of God. And this is a way that we cast nets. We even cast nets with how this building looks. That people look. You know that every single week someone comes to church that came to the coffee shop. One of the best investments we ever did. And we invested money to buy all those supplies. And now any money we make from that goes to missions, missionaries. Uh, it's a nonprofit coffee shop. And all the money we make there is going out to help people bring the gospel around the world. But every week people come to that coffee shop and then they come to church because they're like, this is a church? This is incredible. It's amazing when we cast nets of faith what God does. Small seeds that I believe grow into something great. And finally, and if the keys would come back, kingdom builders go all in. We go all in. Listen, I am the worst poker player on the planet. Some of you are like, you're a pastor? You, you play poker? I do occasionally with my friends, okay? Don't judge me. <laughs> but maybe it is uh, the religious spirits in me like, Caleb, but you always lose. <laughs> so God may be not wanting you to play. But here's why I always lose. Because I don't have the patience to press through through the whole process of an entire game. And so I'm like 20, 30 minutes in, 45 minutes in, I'm like, I'm all in. Haven't even seen the, the, the flop. I'm all in. I just go all in. Some of you are like me. You don't got the patience for it. We're living in a moment, I believe, in history where most people are searching for their passion. And as a result, we have a bunch of 
Americans who are purposeless. And to be honest, there's a bunch of Christians who are purposeless. They're searching for their purpose. And, and what we've done is we, don't, we, we have an issue with FOMO, and so we try to be a part of everything. We gotta be at everything. We actually gotta be a part of every single business out there too. We gotta try our hands at a million things and hopefully something sticks. We can't figure out what we wanna do with our lives. We have no purpose. But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to remind you that as followers of Christ, we have a purpose and it's to build the kingdom of God. You are heaven bringers. Do you hear me? That everywhere you go, you bring heaven with you. That every environment you walk into, it gets better because heaven is in you and on you. You carry heaven. That's why Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He knew that he was meant to bring heaven to earth. And you and I are meant to bring heaven to earth. And we're purposeless because we're trying our hand at all the things of this world. The, the things that don't matter. The things that are, that are compromising our faith and that are fading away. And I'm here to tell you, you are here to build the kingdom of God. And you build it at your job and you build it in your neighborhood. And you build it in your relationships and you build it in your family. And you bring heaven with you wherever you go. But you have to shift your perspective. That I'm all in. And I love it because that's what this parable tells us. If I'm going back to those two parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes, he sells all that he has and buys the field. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. What is the message here it's that when you find something that matters you go all in for it and I wonder what would happen if the church what if project church was full of people who were all in like everybody was all in can I tell you what would happen we would never have a giving issue we'd have no financial issues we'd have no serving issues we'd have no attendance issues we'd have no ministry outside these doors issues we'd, we would never struggle with having enough people to go to the four sacramento project because we're all all in and building the kingdom of god and this message here they find something of value and they sell all that they have and buy the field sell all that they have and buy that one pearl man i've, I've talked to dozens of pastors older than me and when I was younger I would I would interview every pastor I could I'd ask them and I, I'd pick their brains and when we were starting this church I met with every pastor that would meet with me and, and and I was talking to them and I'd always ask them the same question if you were me if you were my age if you could go back and talk to to you at my age what would you say they all said the same thing I'd have taken more risks I'd have gone all, gone all in I'd have stepped out in faith more. And so to be honest, when the South Sac opportunity came, I was scared. And in my natural self, I said no. But God kept reminding me, just say yes by faith. I brought this for a reason. And I've already seen God blessing it. Because I'm here to build the kingdom of God. There's a dying church. Let's rescue it. Let's save it. There's a dying community. Let's go out and serve it. We all have things that are holding us back. I think some of you are being held back by your love of the world. 
your love of the things of this world, the love of the carnal things of this world. Some of you are being held back by your past stuff, your past failure, your past sin. Some of you are being held back by your old stuff, your, your church hurt, your church wounds are holding you back. And today I just want to call you out of it. Say, I'm, I'm done being a little in, partially in. I'm going all in. This is my grandma. Throw her up here. Look at her. So a week and a half ago, she passed away at the age of 90 years old. We have the funeral on Tuesday. And I just think about her and my grandfather who dedicated their lives to building the kingdom of God. At 21 years old, they started pastoring a church and pastored up until my grandfather died at the age of 78. My grandma outlived him by 12 years. And just a week and a half ago, she went to be with Jesus after a battle with dementia the last few years. She received her eternal healing. While we're sad she's gone, we rejoice in a life well lived, a life all in. And actually my dad just told me, he was like, yeah, uh, there's gonna be some money coming to Project Church because a part of her estate was designated for this church to build a kingdom. I had no idea because that's what a life all in looks like. Like I'm leaving a legacy, but I'm pouring into the kingdom. And it wasn't just our ministry, but multiple ministries because God blessed them and they invested wisely and, and God took it and they cast nets and they, they led hundreds, thousands of people to Jesus. And I, I, I tell you this to, to call you to a place of being all in. In a world that would try to pull you in a million different directions, what if the church of Jesus Christ, what if Project Church was all in in building the kingdom? Would you bow your heads with me in this room? If you're here, you say, Caleb, I need Jesus. I've been running from Jesus. I turned my back on him. To be honest, I don't know if I'm right. When you told that story, when you read that parable, I don't know if I was sorted right now where I would be. If that's who you need to give your life to Jesus right now, you need to receive the mercy and grace of God on your life. I want you to lift your hand. Go ahead. You need Jesus for the first time. You need to rededicate. Yes, hands going up around the room. Wow, thank you, thank you, thank you. A lot of hands. You can put them down. Pray this with me. Say, Jesus, today, I ask you to forgive me, save me, change me. I'm lost, but because of you, I'm found. Wash me clean, make me new, in your name, amen. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.